Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show. I am your host, spoiler alert, Tracy Sandler. And I am so excited to be joined today by radio host and broadcaster Mike Golick Jr. We are going to talk draft picks and draft snacks. You guys can decide which one's more important. I'm going with snacks. But Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm coming, I'm doing what you're not supposed to do. Grocery shopping is going in hungry. So the snack conversation while I'm currently hungry is going to probably go in a lot of different directions. I totally feel that. And I actually, right before we started recording, worked out and haven't eaten yet. So I have a variety of different snacks going through my mind from like rotisserie chicken to, you know, Mike and Ike's. So who knows? Uh, we'll just see how this, we'll see how this all plays out. But we'll start with the picks because maybe not everybody finds the snacks to be the most important. You know, draft coming up in a few weeks. I feel a little bit like, I don't know why I feel like this, that it snuck up a little bit. I think maybe because with the week 17 and then I cover the 49ers, they got to the NFC Championship game and it was the Super Bowl, then it was the combine, then it was owners. And then I'm like, oh, right, now it's, it's draft time. So let's jump on into it. Mike, who are some of your favorites going in i mean the top i'm not going to make you mock draft the seven rounds for all 32 teams though that would be a twist uh but cut who are some of your favorite players you know going into this in the next few weeks yeah so i mean i have to start this off by you know we admit our biases heading into mm-hmm. this sort of season and of i am a you know former notre dame football player certainly a proud notre dame alum oh god i went to michigan Oh, see, all right. So we okay. We've so you guys, up. this has been awesome, and yeah. we'll talk to you later. <laughs> Mike, you're breaking up. It's crazy. Oh well, it was nice having you on. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so this will be even better when I mention <laughs> Kyle Hamilton's name at the top mm-hmm. of all this. And, and of course, I, I've just been amazed at the the dialogue around draft season. I joked the other day. We're nearing the time where the draft should happen tomorrow because we're mm-hmm. starting to get a little bit too overthinkish with yeah. a lot of these takes and. I'd say Kyle's been one of those, the 40 time that came up both at his pro day and at the combine are not indicative of the game speed this guy plays at. And I've seen varying degrees of this. Kyle Hamilton's a a top three talent in this draft looking. There hasn't been an athlete like him to come through Notre Dame in quite some time. There's unbelievable range. He can do a variety of different things. He's great in coverage. So I, I just think that's a top, you know, top three, top five talent in this draft. And and really, when you think about the best players in this draft, it's him, Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan, Kayvon Thibodeau from uh, Oregon. And then I would probably go the two offensive tackles that have really been jockeying back and forth at the top of a lot of people's mocks in Iki Aquanu and then Evan Neal out of Alabama. I think really when you look at the top of the draft, I don't think we're going to get a quarterback in the top five. Mm -hmm. I think we're pretty safe as far as that with this year's class. But I really think for me, and it's been great to have a class of offensive tackles where we've got two guys that could be legitimate number one picks if they decide to not go for one of the defensive ends that I mentioned. And so that's been a fun year where we've had to work a little bit harder in understanding where these quarterbacks fit. When you talk about, is it going to be Desmond Ritter, who is a veteran who did so much for that Cincinnati program to be the first off the board is Kenny Pickett, who kind of did the Joe Burrow one year wonder out of pit going to be the guy in that conversation. We've had to work harder for those guys and gotten to enjoy some real premier talents along the line of scrimmage. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. 
Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. So let's talk about Aiden Hutchinson for a minute. And it's not that I'm biased or anything, but I, I really would like to discuss. I'm, I look at a variety of mock drafts, obviously, and I try to do all my research. The 49ers don't have a first round pick. So I have not been as focused on, you know, those those picks, though, because of that, you know that they will trade someone and have like the number one <laughs> pick in the draft and I'll be screwed. Anyways, but I look at these mock drafts and some people have him falling down to four. Some have people have him at two. You know, I, I find it interesting because in my biased opinion, he's, like the best thing to ever happen to football. But I can also understand that it, it is a little hard to project how he's going to be in the NFL, which is true of all draft picks. And that's why the draft is a little bit, it's not a crapshoot, but a little bit. That's why you see guys kind of become quote unquote bust, even though I hate that word, uh, guys who are picked in the first 10. And then you have like a fifth round guy who ends up being a star, like like a George Kittle or something like that. So I, I'm just curious, kind of your thoughts on Aiden Hutchinson and do you do you think he goes in those top three? Does he move to a four? Do you think he has the talent, the wherewithal to be successful in the NFL? Yeah, so I, I would be shocked if he fell out of that top three range. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it, it really depends on what you want, especially with him and Thibodeau in that conversation for potentially the top overall pick and the top defensive end play because you're going to get much more steady and consistent, I think, at the beginning. Uh, when you talk about Hutchinson there, really mm-hmm. smart rusher. Like when you watch him go into big games, go up against premier offensive tackle talent, he's a guy that rushes with a plan. He understands his limitation. Top end speed's not going to be his thing, right? He's got a great first step. I don't think he's going to blow you away and really stress your edge as an offensive tackle. I approach it from how would I have to game plan for this guy if I were the one trying to block him? And for Aiden Hutchinson, he's going to make you respect his power right away with the bull rush. And then he's quick enough in the short area to really start to get you in fits because he understands, all right, based on how I've set this guy up, I can make him lean. I can create problems for this guy as opposed to Thibodeau, who if you're looking at these two and I'm saying, I need a guy who's going to impact me now in a way that I can trust, set, and forget. It's probably Aiden Hutchinson. If I want to bet on a guy who's going to be an all-pro and maybe like a future Hall of Fame talent, that's probably Kayvon Thibodeau, if I'm being honest. I think in the last couple of years, because of injury, I think this past season with Thibodeau, who injured early on, the Ohio State game, the ankle, all those things, you didn't see that guy really put his foot all the way out on the gas again because I think he understood. I don't want to go out here and get hurt knowing Mm -hmm. the money that's there for me on the other side of all this. It's not to make excuses for at times which wasn't as consistent, but you also didn't have, you know, a job on the other side taking some of the heat off you the way Aiden Hutchinson did in that. So mm-hmm. I think he's incredibly consistent. I, I think very technically proficient. I always joked he's like the Marvel Universe's what if for what if one of the Bosa's decided to go to uh, Michigan instead of <laughs> Ohio State. And that is not just because he's a white guy wearing 97. I, I think <laughs> Very complete rusher with his hands, understands and puts together a smart plan. So I think, you know, he's he's going to go in and be a day one starter and be a day one impact guy for whoever picks him in that range. 
Somewhere, Nick and Joey Bosa just went, ah, what? Like, like, a, like, a, like what? <laughs> Did someone just, that can't, that didn't happen, right? That didn't happen? Okay, cool. We're good now. <laughs> like somewhere they fully just like, ah, I try to talk to Nick Bosa about Michigan and it, it never ends well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I figured that's probably a bridge too far, you know, like I'm sure understands, but for those guys, it's a, it's a little bit different even than for the Notre Dame guys and the Michigan guys. Yes, definitely for sure. So I want to go back actually to the offensive tackle discussion because I think something we saw in the league this year, especially in the Super Bowl, was just how important an offensive line is and and what a difference it makes. And I, I know that sounds so obvious, but it's an area that the league has really struggled with in the last several years. And like I said, in the Super Bowl, we we really saw that, and it may have been the difference in that game. So I would love to talk a little bit about that and those positions and kind of what that means for the NFL and how quickly you feel like an offensive lineman can adjust. Because historically, sometimes it takes offensive linemen a little bit longer to really develop in the NFL. But when we're talking about guys being picked so early in the draft, I would just kind of love to hear your thoughts on that, if that made sense. Yeah, no, and it really is an interesting time, I think, for this because you're seeing the overwhelming need. We've certainly seen the way that the Bengals have adjusted their offseason plan, the veterans Mm -hmm. that they've gone out and brought in at that position. And I think it's, one, the most important thing you can be right now with yourself as an organization in this position is honest with what your coach is able to do development wise, what guys get there, because everyone loves the idea of, you know, taking someone that you can grow and develop. If you don't have a coach that's capable of do that or a staff that's capable of doing that, you've got to know and maybe do what the Bengals did say, Hey, we're going to spend a little bit more time and capital on guys that are proven in free agency guys Mm -hmm. that we can know come in right now, because offensive line and defensive back are the two most unnatural skill sets on the field, right? I always have to remind people you're going backwards to block and try and cover some of the best athletes in football that are playing across from you. And so it's that's a really why good way to put that. It, it's, it, it really is. It's like a golf swing, the amount of things that you've got to be present and be mindful of heading into each play. And that's why I think you've seen at the top of drafts, there's a premium paid for people that come from Oak programs with offensive line pedigrees. It's why Notre mm-hmm. Dame's done well in recent years. Michigan and Ohio State put plenty of guys out in there. But Alabama's near the top of that list because they come in technically at a place that many of their peers are not built to match. And that becomes the interesting conversation around this with really the top three tackles, right? You're looking at Evan Neal from Alabama. You're looking at Ikea Kwanu out of NC State. And then you're looking at Charles Cross out of the air raid system in Mississippi State, which is always going to throw people for a loop. And so I think with these guys looking at them all initially, I think you're going to have Evan Neal come in the most pro ready. Alabama scheme wise does a lot of different things with their guys. This is an incredibly big guy leaned out. You saw him at the combine way in at 317 where he had played most of his college career around the 350 mark and had not sacrificed a ton of athleticism to do that. So I think his combination of incredible athletic gifts and the pro readiness from that system makes him OT1 for me. Aquanu's really interesting because you don't get explosive athletes like him very often. The way he moves, especially in a league where you know this covering the 49ers, we have seen a lot of people go to the Shanahan tree of mm-hmm. lots of outside zone, the boot action off of that. And so having a dude that can move like him is really a rare commodity. He just needs a little bit more polish. The technique is good, not great to that level. And then with Charles Cross, it's, all right, we know the knock on a lot of these, especially the Mike Leach brand of air raid guys is, 
You're getting a lot of defenses that basically just play drop eight in front of you. You're not asked to run block in the same ways or as consistently as a lot of your peers. And that does scare me a little bit, even though he may be technically the best pass protector in this class. So I think all of these guys, Neil for me is the one that's easiest to not only get on the field early, but dominate early. Aquanu mm-hmm. is going to be a really rare gem that I think a lot of people, there's a reason he's gotten that one overall buzz and it's because he's nasty and smooth in a way that's really hard to come by at that size and skill level. Nasty and smooth should be like a dating profile prompt. <laughs> 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 that is what I am taking away from this podcast and you guys are welcome. <laughs> you can all thank Mike. <laughs> no, but I absolutely. Think it be, it's really good. So I, before we move into sleeper picks, I have a question that is, it's kind of feels like almost a dumb question to me, but there's always a lot of conversation around it. So I'm just kind of, I like to get people's takes on this. Are you a guy that is best player available or position of need? Does that make sense? So you get to the 12th pick and there's a guy available that you didn't think would be there. And I mean, he's the best guy left, but he doesn't really fit what you need. What is your philosophy on that? I am generally a best available unless it's just so redundant with places that we've spent capital in the past, right? Like, I mean, we saw the Cardinals take quarterback back to back number one overall picks, but it's with the understanding that, hey, when you know, you know, especially bringing in the coach like that, but Mm -hmm. uh, especially once it starts to become a value pick, which is what you just described, if you get one of these freak show talents that, hey, maybe people do overthink the Kyle Hamilton thing, and maybe people do say it's not a position that positional value wise you can justify in the top five if he somehow sneaks down around nine ten in that range or god forbid gets out of the top 10 which i don't think will ever happen i don't think we're that crazy but something like that i don't care what else we've got you'll make it work when something like that becomes available to you okay awesome that's just a, a curiosity i'm with you i i agree with you on that but there is a lot of conversation about it and there's always more conversation about it than then I think there should be. So I think, and of course I just added to it, but I just, you know, I I think that's interesting. All right. So let's talk sleeper picks a little bit. You get into those later rounds, those kind of diamonds in the rough, those later round gems. Who are your top, let's say three to five in that category? Well, you know, what's going to be interesting about this is I don't know if he's going to make it to that long, but he's just a name I really like getting out and making sure people are aware of. And they may, because he's you know got some of the background that makes him an interesting oddity. I think Mel right now has him fifth on his board of tackles. So this okay. will probably be closer to a second or third round guy. But Bernard Raymond, to me, out of Central Michigan, is such a fun story. He's a guy who is Austrian by birth came over and played his football at Central Michigan. And if you go and look at his headshots, you can watch the true testament to how much acquiring mass just makes people happier because he came to Central Michigan as Uh a tight end. He was a bigger body blocking tight end. I remember covering him a couple of years ago as he was sort of eating his way into offensive tackle. And he looks like Ivan Drago. I mean, he just straight up (laughs) looks like he's ready to fight Rocky with the fate of the world and the political atmosphere (laughs) on the line. But what he has turned into is for his you know journey to football a remarkable technician an incredibly solid athlete for his size and someone whose football his best football is clearly in front of him and so mm-hmm. I just think with that unique background and while he does seem a bit more polished than he has any right to be there's still plenty of upside there he really added the weight in a great way honestly I think of Mike McGlinchey in the way that mm-hmm. Mike added weight 
when he got to Notre Dame was built more like a tight end and a basketball player Mm -hmm. and then put it on so gradually that it's rock solid and people shouldn't look that good at 315 and 320. Mm -hmm. I I think that's what Bernard's got a chance to be. So he's a really interesting one. As far as a true later round guy, I am going to steal this from my buddy Nate Tice, who does an outstanding job writing over at The Athletic and covering the draft. He reminded me of this with a post the other day guy named Armani Rogers ended up going. Mm -hmm. He transferred to Ohio this last season and played quarterback there, but he was a, I believe record setter for QB rushing yards during his time at UNLV leading up to that. He made the switch during, I believe for him, it was the shrine bowl to tight end really smooth athlete. I know that's a position, especially in the NFL. We love to sometimes crack the code and send guys, you know, that are coming from basketball backgrounds, other spots. I think he's one, if you can make it worth, you get a ton of interesting value because then you can play around and do some of the quarterback stuff with him and make that a part of whatever package you got there. But what he did at both of those stops was really impressive. And I think if he's got the ability to make any sort of that jump, he's a guy that could be a true diamond in the rough later on, really help you out there. And then to bring it fully home here for my Notre Dame bias it's going to be a case of positional value and just he's not very fast. We saw that at the combine. We understand that's a part of it. Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame is going to round out someone's backfield in a way that is absolutely sensational. I know everyone's going to go back to 2020 where I think his game against Clemson, the Notre Dame win in the middle of the season, may have been the best game for running back and pass protection I've ever seen. Whether that's in person as a player, whether that is covering it at someone who's covered the draft in the NFL and college for a while, it was a tour de force of how that position can factor in positively into your protection plan. He's going to offer you that. He's great catching out of the backfield. And if you look at his 2021 tape, the numbers weren't as gaudy because for the first half of the season, Notre Dame essentially had to operate without an offensive line. They had not, you know, they had plenty of injury there. They were cycling Mm -hmm. through their third left tackle by the time they hit week three. They were shuffling bodies around the rest of those spots. And Kyron managed to overcome that in a way that is uncommon. He is complete in his footwork. He's got an unbelievable stiff arm in the repertoire. And I think, wow, listen, he doesn't have breakaway speed. We have clearly established that. I think he is still crafty enough, smart enough, and just a tenacious competitor enough to where if it's late in the draft, if it's fifth, fifth, sixth, seventh round in that area, he's going to factor in on special teams for you. And I Mm -hmm. think going to be a really welcome addition to a backfield that maybe needs two or three guys in the mix, but is no doubt going to make your room better. I I have zero doubt about putting my name on that prospect, despite the fact that some of the testing numbers haven't been the most sensational. Sounds like he'd be actually a really good fit in San Francisco. Honestly, and I know Kyle, you know, he he tends to major in guys that have more of that track speed in the backfield where Mm -hmm. you can get that misdirection. But I really think scheme wise, there's very little he can't do. He did a little bit more gap and inside stuff in the last couple of years at Notre Dame. But he's got the vision and the wherewithal to be an outside zone, to be a stretch zone runner if you need him to be. So I, I just I cannot say enough about what he's made himself into going into 2020. Kyron Williams was third or fourth on the Notre Dame depth chart, even the best reporters that I know around the team were not aware that this was going to be a guy and coming out of camp this was you know this was the COVID season too so we didn't Mm -hmm. have nearly as much access and all of a sudden he's number one on the depth chart and most of us are scratching our head it did not take very long to see why he was a guy that had to you know he described it. He told a great story to um, a friend of mine who was covering the Notre Dame, a Notre Dame game early that season and said he was home over the break during COVID. 
And that was the beginning where everything was uncertain. We weren't sure we were going to have a season. And his mom came home one day and asked what he was doing that day. And he's like, I don't know. He's, you know, he's playing video games, doing this, that, or the other. And his mom, who is his biggest fan, basically cussed him out a little bit and said, I can't want this more than you do for you to go here wow. and be great. And that was sort of a turning point work for Kyron where I promise you don't have to ask the question about this young man wanting it at this point. He said it was a wake-up call. It changed the way that he approached his diet and his work habits there. And ever since then, he was one of the leaders in that Notre Dame running back room, one of the leaders in that Notre Dame offense in a time of transition where Ian Book went on to the NFL, the all-time leader in almost every quarterback category category and he really stepped up and I thought was an anchor on that offense when they desperately needed it most so cannot say enough good things about what Kyron Williams is going to offer somebody's room whenever he's picked well as long as we're talking about potential uh sleepers in the backfield uh, somebody who's been mocked to San Francisco quite a bit is Tyler Beatty do you have any thoughts on him and kind of what he could bring to that Kyle Shanahan offense uh Tyler Beatty I haven't had as much of a chance to look at being honest so uh, you know Kyle I don't know. The beauty about the Kyle Shanahan offense is, man, everyone can kind of find a worth. Like <laughs> it's, it's I, I've called it the universal solvent because if you've got a player that, especially if there's decent football intelligence and even a modicum mm-hmm. of athletic ability, you're going to be in pretty good situation there with what Kyle does because he's a true weapon at, at play caller in that position. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just scrolling down my draft notes and I saw this name and I'm going to shout it to the mountaintops. I apologize for making this so offensive line heavy, but no, it's important. The heart wants what it wants. Really interesting guy to me is Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. He's got a little bit of love during this draft cycle. I only say this because I had some multiple times in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. He is a guy raw as a technician, but explosive as an athlete. It has that rare combination, that ability, because people always say for offensive line, they want to see you roll your hips through. We kind of say that enough as a point to where I'm not sure people really know or get what it means. That just means you're into the body of someone. Like I always had it explained to me, you want to take the air out of a block. If a defender's got Mm -hmm. the ability to long arm you to get that extension and shed, he's winning. Tyler is into a guy's body and making it uncomfortable for a defensive lineman to try and look. And we talked about smooth and nasty before. He's not Mm -hmm. quite as smooth as Icky, but he is nasty as they come in this draft. When he gets his hand on guys, he takes them for an absolute roller coaster ride. If anyone's uncertain, go turn on the Tulsa Cincinnati game. That was when college game day was at Cincinnati. I was calling that game. That was UC's coming out party as on their march to the college football playoff. And Mm -hmm. Tulsa was about a quarter an inch on the goal line from pulling upset city and ruining the year on that. But the reason was in that game, they physically beat the absolute hell out of Cincinnati up front. And that was Tulsa's offensive line manhandling a very good Cincinnati defense for most of the day. And Tyler was really the point of the spear on a fair amount of that. So he's a guy who, again, if you get him into the right system with some good veterans or a really good coach, that's a guy who right now might be a developmental thing and Mm -hmm. could turn into day-to-day starter for you with a lot of really good upside. Fantastic. I love all this offensive tackle talk because I just, it's, it's so important. And it's, I feel like it's been, there's been such a dearth, is dearth the word you look for, a dearth of it in the league over the last several years. And we've seen dearth is when it's not, there's not a lot, right? Yep. I probably should. Okay, great. Woo! 
English I, major, I, I University of Michigan. Woo, you know what? I think Bet- you're right. Between the two of us, there's sure. a Notre Dame and a Michigan education should be able to get you somehow to the definition of this word. Yeah, they're super proud right now in South Bend and Ann Arbor. Uh, but there's been a bit of a, a dearth of it in the league, and we've seen it really affect, you know, we've seen injuries as a result of it. We've seen losses as a result of it. Anyway, so I, I love all this talk. And it really leads us perfectly into our final segment because, you know, offensive linemen, they, they got to be big. And we are going to talk snacks because the draft is three days. There are those of you that watch night one and then go about your business. And God bless you guys, because that sounds amazing. But for those of us that cover this, we are there three days. There are fans that are there every three days. I feel by day three, I'm very punchy, like, it is like there are days in life where I'm like, I'm feeling day three draft today. Like I'm a little punchy. So that's, that's kind of, you know, that's our world, but that's okay. I love it. But that being said, there's a lot of time in front of TV, a lot of downtime and you need to have snacks. I'm big into snacks. And so I would like to know your top draft snacks that you cannot live without. And this will be the most important thing we talked about today. No, absolutely. And, and I got a great general rule of thumb for people on this. If it does not have the potential to give you heartburn, you're probably doing it wrong. I feel like most of the draft fair, and this can be the same really for tailgate fair, for Super Bowl fair, all (laughs) these things, wings, buffalo chicken dips, anything Mm -hmm. sort of breaded. If you can stuff cheese inside of it and then put it in the oven, chances are it's a pretty good idea. So I'll go with the chicken wing as a number one overall draft pick to me. Mm -hmm. You get some protein in there breaded enough to help things out. The buffalo chicken dip is two for me. I major in a flavor type. I make no secrets or have no qualms about that. It just is what it is. So they're very kind at the 49ers and they feed us throughout the draft, which is really very lovely of them. But I always bring extra snacks. So by day one, I'm like, I'm going to be super healthy. I mean, I'm going to be sitting here for a while. I got like seaweed snacks and almonds. By day two, I'm like, oh, I'm going to bring in maybe a little dark chocolate. By day three, I got peanut M&Ms for breakfast. And that is the direction we're going. It's like coffee, peanut M&Ms. I'm going to now throw in some peanut butter M&Ms. And I probably am wrong. I think by day two, I've definitely brought in some like pretzels and potato chips. Salt and vinegar potato chips, I think, are a, a, a staple. So these are the things that are very important. So if you guys take nothing else away from this, two things. One, if it's not going to give you heartburn, you're doing it wrong. And two, when you're feeling particularly punchy, you're feeling very day three of the draft. So there you go. If you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. We are brought to you today by Bet Online, and I'll talk to everyone later this week. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.